It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the first of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 985 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday? Yeah, I have no idea what day it is. I'm pretty sure it's Thursday, July the 15th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. And of course, please make sure to check out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network. we got tons of stuff for you. A non-stop stream of content right into your ears uh, about all of your favorite teams. Uh, if you want to hear, of course, about the Bucks or the Suns as the finals are now 2-2, go listen to Locked On Suns with Brendan Clean and Locked On Bucks with Kane Pittman, two former and future guests of the podcast, two lovely guys, and two wonderful podcast hosts. So go and support those shows as the finals gear up for a best of three to decide the winner. All right, on today's show... It's a mailbag episode. I got a bunch of questions from the listeners, and I'm just going to run through them. They're a mix of draft and free agency and uh, jersey aesthetics as well, which, you know, is one of some of my favorite stuff. So let's just dive on in, and I'll get to as many as I possibly can here. Uh, today's show, by the way, is brought to you by our friends over at Michelob Ultra. Uh, stick around later in the podcast for the Michelob Ultra moment of the week at 2.6 carbs, 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Again, the moment of the week coming up a little bit later on. Okay, let's get to your questions. Uh, this first one comes from Tom Wright. Uh, Tom asks, uh, he had a very good question here. I can't find uh, the response to it, and now I'm uh, upset because it was a very good question. Um, here it is. Uh, the question from Tom is, pick your favorite Draft pick, free agent pickup combo for the Toronto Raptors this offseason. Tom's suggestion is uh, Evan Mobley and Lonzo Ball. That would be pretty nice. Evan Mobley in particular seems pretty dope. Uh, I would love to watch him play basketball for the Toronto Raptors. Lonzo, I'm a little bit less keen on, honestly. Um, You know, first of all, I think he's going to be expensive. It sounds like the Bulls might pony up a pretty big offer. Honestly, the Pelicans should just pay him and keep him. He's quite good and fits nicely with what they got going on there. Uh, If they could fix the rest of the roster, I don't think Lonzo is the problem whatsoever. Seems like they should keep him. Um, And for the Raptors, while I like Lonzo, and I was at times this year talking myself into Lonzo, I don't know if Lonzo really addresses the issues the Raptors have, which is they need someone who can be the sort of lead scorer in a half-court offense, who can break down a defense and has the full three-level complement, who can distribute to others, who can leverage their own you know, three-point shooting and gravity and mid-range uh, acumen and all that stuff. 
And I just don't think Lonzo Ball is a complete enough offensive player to really do that. And when you pair that with Evan Mobley and you presume a lineup of Fred Van Vliet, Lonzo Ball, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, Evan Mobley as your starting five going into next year, to me, that suggests they're going to have a lot of trouble scoring. And so that's why I don't really fall in line with the Mobley-Lonzo, although Mobley would be pretty sick. And if there's another guard out there you could figure out, um, you know, if you could find some sort of draft Mobley and trade for Bradley Beal combination, that'd be great. Although trading for Bradley Beal probably requires you to trade the pick in this year's draft. So that's probably out the window. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of where I'm at, though. The Mobley-Lonzo is not really number one for me. For me, I'm going the opposite way. I'm really, really selling myself into Jalen Suggs. I'm totally on board with the pick. Um, You know, if he ends up being at number four for the Raptors, I absolutely think they should take him over Scotty Barnes or Jonathan Kaminga, despite the sort of attractive qualities that those guys bring and the potential for the Raptors to mold those guys into their own sort of image. I don't know if you can afford to take the time to wait to see if you can massage them along into being star players without sort of glaring flaws and those two guys certainly have glaring flaws at this point whether they're fixable totally up in the air the Raptors probably stand a better chance than most of doing that if they were to get their hands on them but Suggs is just ready man he can come in he can maybe not be the number one ball handler from day one but if he's off the ball, if he's you know attacking closeouts, if he's running second unit sometimes, if he's running the first unit sometimes and getting his feet wet there I just feel like you're going to get more out of that two-guard position, and you're going to get the exact right type of skill set from that two-guard position. Yes, he needs to work on his three-point shooting, but he's got the finishing at the rim. He's got the athleticism. He's a good defender already. I think Jalen Suggs is ready to step in and be good right away and can address some of the issues the Raptors have more than Lonzo Ball can right now. When it comes to the center position... Yeah, I mean, I've talked myself into Jarrett Allen if Mobley goes to the Cavs at number three, which, you know, who knows, maybe the the Cavs end up getting Jalen Green after Mobley goes number two, hard to say. Um, But I I do like the idea of Jarrett Allen. Rashawn Holmes is also a really nice one, obviously. My dream is you draft Suggs and you throw a big fat offer sheet to John Collins, and John Collins becomes your center of the future, and you go with a sort of small but very big and very daunting front court of Ananobi Siakam Collins, and you make it work that way. You have centers you can swap in, Ken Birch, maybe bring in another cheap center, um, something like that. But that is my dream offseason for the Raptors, is they draft Jalen Suggs, and then they go ahead. And I guess Jalen Green, if he falls to four, too, that'd be kind of a dream, too. Uh, again, addresses a lot of those half-court issues that we've been talking about. Uh, even probably more so than Jalen Green, even if he might not be quite ready to be as good as Suggs can be from day one, I think. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's the dream is you get that two guard who can score, break down the defense, you know, offer a potential future number one option in the offense. And then you bring in John Collins, who I think is very, very good. And the Hawks should absolutely just keep him and pay him and deal with the, you know, the luxury tax ramifications they might run into. Uh, but certainly John Collins is top of the pops for me in terms of potential targets. Uh, and then, yeah, Rashawn Holmes is in there too. You know, I, I could, I'm a little bit concerned about Rashawn Holmes's defense. That said, if you're looking for scoring, you know, incorporating a brand new pick and roll partnership of Jalen Suggs and Rashawn Holmes into the mix kind of feels like a way to improve your offense pretty substantially. And so maybe that's uh, the way to go. I think he might be pretty expensive. I do worry about his defense just a little bit, considering he was just on the worst defensive team in the NBA this past season. And, you know, it's hard to pin it all on him but obviously a center is going to have a big role in how a defense performs so that's a bit of a red flag for me but 
uh, the scoring and the push shots and the pick and roll partnership that could be there is pretty enticing as well. So yeah, if I'm ranking those those centers, it's Collins, Allen, Holmes probably for me. But um, you know, Holmes might be the most realistic because he's UFA and there's not other teams to uh, potentially match offer sheets there. Uh, but really good question. Next question here comes from, uh, actually Tom asked another one and we'll get to that one here. Uh, at the risk of copying every other question, what's a reasonable offer for Ben Simmons? Talked about Ben Simmons yesterday, talked about him a few times here on the podcast. And I think just in sort of my anecdotal looking at trade packages that are out there, um, and sort of, you know, the trade machine screen caps and whatnot, I do feel like people are kind of, a, undervaluing Ben Simmons, and B, kind of overvaluing Kyle Lowry at this point. Obviously, it's easy to do that. Kyle Lowry's amazing. We all love Kyle Lowry, but you've got to be realistic a little bit when you're doing the trade negotiation thing and thinking of it from both sides. And Lowry is going to be 36 this coming season. He is a six-foot-tall point guard who was not as good defensively last season as he has been, and there was a bit of a decline there. He wasn't as good a player this past season as he was the year before, and that's there's lots of factors there. He could totally bounce back to the incredible form he was at in 2019-20, you know, with a normal season and everything, but you can't count on that because, again, 36 in May, so or March, whatever it is, but so yeah, that, I think people are kind of looking at Lowry as some sort of like blue chip trade piece right now, which is it's just not the case. He's a UFA. There's not a ton of leverage the Raptors have here. And even if they can, you know, press a little bit more in terms of leverage with the Sixers because Lowry specifically fits them and the Sixers seem like under some duress to trade Ben Simmons away, I still don't think, like, if you look at those two guys, like, Simmons is the more valuable piece pretty substantially right now. Even with all of his flaws, even though the mood on him is as low as it's ever been, he's an all-defense player, a six foot ten, otherworldly defender and playmaker who, yeah, can't shoot and his offense is a problem and all of that, but he's got a lot to offer. And the contracts, you know, certainty and everything like that certainly applies as well. So, yeah, he's the more valuable piece here. So you got to if you're going to do a sign and trade with the Sixers, you're going to have to send other stuff to. It's this isn't the trade at the deadline that was proposed, where it's like Maxi Thibel and a couple picks for Lowry, where it's the Sixers who have to throw in a bunch of sweeteners. It's the Raptors are going to have to sweeten this deal. They're not going to do a straight up Ben Simmons for Kyle Lowry sign and trade as much as Raptors fans want to see it. That's not happening. They'd be pretty irresponsible, I think, of the Sixers to do that because there's probably better offers out there. Um, and so for me, if I'm looking at reasonable offers, I think, you know, Kyle Lowry signing a deal of like two years, 50 million, something like that. Chris Boucher and like a future protected first, that feels like a pretty good sweet spot to me for Ben Simmons. You know, Boucher offers a win now player who can help fill out the bench rotation for the Sixers. You can sell Sixers fans on that. The future protected first is another thing that Daryl Morey can dangle in a trade down the line, which we know he'll do because he loves to trade away first round picks for win now moves. And Lowry obviously addresses a lot of the issues for the Sixers and they just kind of move on from the Simmons headache. With that, too, you if you're the Sixers, you're not moving on from any other guys to facilitate a complicated multi-part trade. Um, you know, maybe you bring back Danny Green and you can continue to roll with him as like your defensive ace on the wings. I think that is a reasonable deal. Anything beyond that, if I'm the Raptors, and I probably don't do it just because I don't think Simmons is worth, you know, buying high right now and offering up, you know, a buck twenty-five on the dollar. That doesn't seem like it's a, a smart thing to me right now either. 
you know, it's Simmons is a very take him or leave in type type of thing right now. If you can get him for a reasonable sort of neutral value that value deal, sell low, I guess a little bit, um, or, or you get him on a sell low from the Sixers, then sure. But I think it's uh, it's pretty disingenuous to think it's just like Lowry for Simmons straight up, and you're going to get some stuff out of it. Like you're going to get that hat to happen. It's just the Sixers should not be doing that. Simmons is the more valuable player right now than Kyle Lowry is as much as Kyle Lowry means everything to Toronto and I want him back and all of these things you got to be realistic about these things Um, so we're gonna get more into the uh, Simmons talk actually coming up in just a second here uh, and a few other really good questions that came in we'll get to those in one sec but first it's the Michelob Ultra moment of the week of course Michelob Ultra is all about joy happiness enjoyment all those wonderful things and I'm thinking back now about two years ago to just around this time, I remember I was in Boston, Massachusetts uh, on a little uh, vacation with my uh, then-girlfriend, soon-to-be fiancé, and I remember we were sitting in our Airbnb, and I got the like report that came across my phone in a Woj tweet or something that said the Raptors were interested in Kawhi Leonard and might be making some calls. I think this was like during the tail end of summer league, perhaps. And it was like, oh, that's weird. And I don't think that's happening. And I'm pretty sure I tweeted that night. There's no way this is happening. Obviously, the Raptors don't have enough to trade for Kawhi Leonard. Of course, lo and behold, like eight days later, it happened and it was amazing. But getting that first little inkling that, huh, maybe there's something cooking there was intriguing, interesting. Ultimately, I kind of hand-waved it, and that was, of course, silly, but that was a a fun one, for sure. The Kawhi Leonard rumor uh, making its way onto the the Twitter and the the notifications while I was on vacation. For me, that is now my ultra moment of the week for this week. Really excited for when we have uh, actual basketball games, so I can get more uh, in-game moments for the ultra moment of the week, but we can pull from the archives a little bit, the personal archives, if you will, for this week's edition. It's only worth it if you enjoy it with Michelob Ultra. It's just 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Joy creates success and enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game with Michelob Ultra. A big thank you to them for sponsoring the podcast. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, we'll continue on here and get to more of your mailbag questions. Just to continue on the Ben Simmons talk, this one comes from DePaul131 uh, asking, assuming Philly's interested in a Ben Simmons trade centered around a Lowry sign-in trade, but Toronto doesn't want Simmons, who are third teams that offer value that Toronto would prefer for a Simmons landing spot? So we talked about Portland yesterday with Mike Richmond. The Yusuf Nurkic thing is there. It's a little bit of a difficult trade to facilitate. It's, uh, you know, anything with a sign and trade is hard. 
you throw a third team in, it's even harder. And then in the case of the trade we talked about yesterday, you throw in a second sign and trade with Danny Green, and that basically makes it impossible. It's just really hard to you know have all those things fall into place. It's uh you know it's like an aligning of the planets type of thing. It doesn't happen often. So I wouldn't guess that's going to happen, but there is something there with Portland, I think. And you could kind of have all three of those teams scratch each other's backs a little bit and help them sort of address their own existing issues within each of their roster constructions. Um, You know, the Wolves obviously are out there as a potential team too. I don't know really what you want if you're the Raptors in a potential return in a sign and trade there you know maybe Ricky Rubio was like a backup point guard option um you know again keep in mind here the Raptors stand the chance of losing Kyle Lowry for nothing so getting anything is important and yes Rubio is maybe past it a little bit but he's a fun dude he kind of brings uh, a steadiness as a backup point guard as a guy to kind of school along Malachi Flynn you could do a little bit worse um, you know, I guess Jarrett Culver, if you want to try to take like a redraft opportunity on him, he seems kind of interesting and, uh, obviously hasn't worked out super well with the wolves. So maybe you, you look at that, um, you know, Jarrett Vanderbilt's like a kind of interesting little combo forward too. It's tough after the main guys on the wolves, there's not a ton of interesting dudes. It's a lot of replacement level guys, frankly. And so that is why I'm not super keen on the wolves being a third team. Like if the Sixers and wolves want to do a deal for Simmons, they'll just do a deal for Simmons. And, um, you know, I I don't know if the Raptors need to throw themselves into that mix. Uh, You know, obviously Kyle Lowry being that really sexy option for the Sixers makes them probably want to have the, the Raptors involved, but I don't see the incentive really for the Raptors unless they're getting like an extra pick out of it or something like that. The Wolves send over a pick, which I don't know why they would. They're out of pick this year and, you know, you would think they'd want to hang on to picks. The Sixers, you know, are they actually going to send an extra pick so they can get uh, D'Angelo Russell? Probably not. Like, it's a tricky one to figure out. Um, You know, there's some other teams too. I I think like the Charlotte Hornets perhaps are are an interesting one. Um, You know, they have... PJ Washington and Miles Bridges, like some kind of interesting players on the roster there. They've got a bit of a backcourt, you know, log jam too with Terry Rozier, Devontae Graham. I think Devontae Graham's a, a RFA this year. Um, you know, there's some interesting guys there, but not terribly interesting, frankly. Like it's uh, still a fledgling team that doesn't quite have all the pieces in place there. And, and so, you know, maybe you get a PJ Washington or a Miles Bridges or a Malik Monk back. I don't really know if that's moving the needle for you if you're the Raptors, and you'd probably just rather re-sign Kyle at that point if that's an option at all. Yeah, it's tricky, man. Uh, you know, the Sixers and Raptors feel like pretty good bedfellows here, but finding that third team is not easy. Portland, I think, still stands as the number one option because of Yusuf Nurkic and a guy, as a guy who I think would be a really nice fit with the Raptors. Um, we'll move on from Ben Simmons stuff for now. I'm sure it'll come back up again. Uh, but this question here comes from Nick, who asks, uh, if we get incredibly lucky and land Mobley at number four, does that make trading Pascal Siakam a more interesting move? Suggs can realistically be very good in this three-year window, but Mobley, being a lanky big man and all, might take longer and offset the window. So yeah, I mean, it's an intriguing question. I can think of Mobley's there, obviously. You laugh and take him because he does seem like the best long-term prospect, maybe. I guess, you know, depending on what you feel about Green and Suggs, you know, I guess everybody's opinions will vary, but... He does seem to me like he's got the best long-term potential, kind of like an anchor type guy on a defense, and the offensive upside is pretty intriguing as well. I don't really know 
how that would affect a Siakam thing. Because yeah, the point really does make sense here. Mobley's maybe not going to contribute to winning from day one. It might take a couple years. That said, I mean, we're seeing DeAndre Ayton in like year three doing what he's doing right now. It's possible for guys to kind of figure themselves out earlier than we expect. And it seems like that's happening league-wide recently where guys are coming in more ready and more able to kind of you know, step up and be awesome pretty quickly. We've seen it with John Morant, Luca, Trey Young, all these guys still pretty early in their careers, figuring things out at an early stage. And so maybe Mobley does that too. With Siakam, yeah, I think if Mobley is on the team, maybe you can talk yourself into using Siakam as sort of a piece to swap up and sort of change up the roster a little bit and maybe go for, uh, you know, like a Bradley Beal or something or, you know, whatever other star comes available. Beal seems like the most likely one to potentially be available, even though there's no buzz right now that he's actually going to get dealt. Um, You know, if you were to throw a Siakam plus future stuff offer towards the Wizards, they'd probably say, hey, why don't you give us Evan Mobley too? And the Raptors say, no, thanks, probably, um, because they've already taken him, I guess. But, you know, it does probably make Siakam a little bit more movable. I just don't think I'd want to do it. He's still at sort of the nadir of his value right now. You don't want to sell when you could probably sell him for more down the line if you really wanted to, or you could just continue to nurse him along and have him play very good basketball like he did this past season for the most part. I I think, yeah, the the Mobley thing would certainly complicate things and make things a little bit tricky, but also maybe you don't have to overthink it and just say, oh, okay, you got Evan Mobley, great. Uh, Your front court is Ananobi, Siaka, Mobley. No one's ever scoring ever again. That's pretty great. Uh, So, yeah, I don't know if it changes things too, too much. I don't think we're going to have to worry about it, frankly. I do not think he's going to be dropping a number four, and I don't think the Raptors are going to trade up. It seems... Like, there's been no buzz about them moving up, and honestly, I I don't think they should. They should be happy with whoever falls to four. All those guys are really good, and uh, all of them fit in a really nice way as well. There's not, like, one dude, there's not, like, an ugly duckling of the bunch where, you know, if two of them are taken and the Raptors end up with one guy who just doesn't fit whatsoever, um, you know, that would be a bummer. But all the guys in that two, three, four range fit like gloves with the Raptors in theory. Uh, so I don't think you need to be too, too worried about it. And I don't think Mobley's going to be there at number four based on all the reporting and the speculating about his status. Uh, we'll continue on, finish up the show in just a second here with a few more of your mailbag questions. But first, we got to tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com who are saving you money when you go to the mechanic. Why would you spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same car parts from a chain store when you can just go to rockauto.com? The dealership, the chain stores, they're not trying to help you at all. They're trying to make their nut and they're trying to sell those parts, those usually one option of parts for as much as possible. Whereas if you go to rockauto.com, a family business serving auto parts customers for 20 years, you're going to get reliably low prices and many, many options. You get to see all the different parts, specifications, brands, and choose the one that works for you and your budget that again they have everything you might need from brake parts tail lamps motor oil new carpets whatever it is it's on rock auto and it's super easy to find with their really easy to use website go to rockauto.com right now see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on there how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the car parts you'll ever need at rockauto.com 
And today's show is also brought to you by BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. you got the second half of the season coming down the pipe. The Toronto Blue Jays, quite good. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. might win MVP, might win the home run race, might win a triple crown. You can bet on all those things to happen if you feel so inclined over at BetOnline. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest info. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs in the majors. Head to the website or use your mobile device and sign up today to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code Locked On, all one word. That's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. All right, uh, we'll continue on here. Uh, just a reminder, though, that the Road to the Finals on the Lockdown Podcast Network is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. 2.6 carbs, 95 cows. We can all enjoy the playoff games a little bit more this season. And man, do those games ever make me feel like I need a beer? Uh, last night's game in particular, Game 4, rocked and was stressful and amazing and beautiful and made better by Michelob Ultra. So thanks to Michelob Ultra for sponsoring the Road to the Finals. All right, a couple more mailbag questions here to get to. This one comes from ASP asking, all-time Raptors all-defensive first and second teams. This is a really good one that I fear it's going to come off like it's laden with recency bias, but also the Raptors basically sucked at defense for their entire history save the Kevin O'Neill season leading into, I don't know, like 2015-16. Like, that's when they finally had, like, a top 10 defense for the first time. Um, So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of recent guys on here, but let's see if I can assemble this. So, first team, obviously, I think OG's on there. He's one of the best defenders I've ever seen on the wing, period. He's incredible. I think he's there for sure. I think the two guards got to be Danny Green. Like, you go 2-3 with Danny Green and uh, OG, I think that's a really good combo. I think those guys, uh, you know, played together quite a bit, uh, you know, during Danny's one season in Toronto. And as much as Danny's three-point shooting in the playoffs was a bummer, he's an incredible defensive player and was, you know, doing chase down blocks and all that stuff throughout his entire time with the team. So I'm going to put Danny Green on the team as the two guard. I think the, the and this is a really difficult one because the Raptors, I don't think have ever had an all defensive player before. Um, so it's not like we have easy chalk picks to go with here. At point guard, I will put on the first team... Uh, boy, maybe Alvin Williams. Alvin was good. Uh, those, those Raptors teams, I think were pretty good defensively. I mean, it was ugly ass early two thousands basketball. So I guess everyone was kind of good at defense comparatively to today, but, um, you know, Alvin was long, lanky, good, good, solid defender. I will say Alvin Williams as the, uh, point guard and forgive me if I'm forgetting some sort of great defensive misdeeds of Alvin Williams past. Um, but I seem to recall him being quite good on that. And I suppose you could swap in like Chris Childs if you wanted to, too, because boy, do we know Chris Childs wasn't doing much, doing much on offense. It was all the defensive end of the floor. Mark Jackson, I suppose, too, although he was more the assist man. Um, so yeah, I'll say Alvin Williams is the number one on the team uh, for the point guard. Uh, sorry, the point guard on the first team, the weird way of saying words. Um, the power forward like boy <laughs> pascal is an easy one to go to honestly you, you know it's not exactly been a uh, sterling history of power forwards playing for the raptors of course there's been 
Uh, you know, Chris Bosch was there, obviously, but it was never, you know, a position that they've been super loaded up at. Amir Johnson's probably on the short list. He was quite good. Um, you know, mostly played power forward as well. Kind of a relic of the past, you know, with Amir Johnson playing next to Jonas Valanciunas, a classic starting front court. Um, so I might include him in there, although he played on some pretty bad defensive teams. At least, you know, the early era Casey teams, I guess, got better. But the Triano era, certainly not so hot. Um, so, yeah, I will say... I'll say, just so it's not all recent guys, I'll go Amir Johnson as the power forward. Uh, I guess Antonio Davis probably would be in that conversation as well. I always forget that he was a power forward on those teams too. Um, actually, maybe that's the answer. Antonio Davis is the starting power forward on the uh, all Raptors defensive first team. And then at center, it's Marc Gasol. Uh, I don't know how else you could choose anybody else. It's Marc Gasol. He was incredible. Uh, he was the quarterback of a defense that inspired many a think piece and completely neutralized opponent after opponent in the playoffs. And it was all because of him just being a freaking genius back there. So Marcus All is my first team center. The second team, I will go Fred Van Vliet as the point guard. Uh, as much as Chris Childs is in there, Fred Van Vliet literally uh, brought the box and one back by uh, guarding Steph Curry to the point of getting a finals vote, a finals MVP vote. So yeah, I'm putting Fred there. The two guard on the second team, not exactly a storied history. I'll probably go Anthony Parker. Good-ass player. I guess he was either a two or a three. It doesn't really matter. Um, really, really solid, solid player. I'll, I'll put him there. And then Doug Christie, I'll put at the wings. I'll, I'll, you know, they can go in whatever order you want. Doug Christie was awesome. No Kawhi. Uh, you know, Kawhi was very good in the playoffs, obviously, during his time with the team. Uh, he was freaking fantastic. Guarded Giannis, all that great stuff. Um, but he wasn't amazing defensively during his sort of main regular season run with the team you know he was good he was not amazing he had his flaws here and there wasn't at his peak the peak of his powers so i will go doug christie and anthony parker on the wings power forward i guess this is where pascal comes in it's either pascal or amir um because i got at on the first team and honestly i think pascal's a better defender uh as much as amir was great i, I think maybe a little bit miscast a little bit slow to play the four and i'll say pascal siakam at the four is a freaking monster defender who like makes the raptors defense when it's at its best possible to run which is i guess a pretty uh good feather in his cap so we'll put him there and then center hmm, the second team center Again, not exactly a loaded history of dudes. Probably Marcus Camby uh, led the team in blocks or led the league in blocks one year. Uh, was only with the team for a couple seasons, of course, but he was uh, really freaking good. And despite only playing two seasons with the team and like less than half of the number of games, in some cases less than a quarter of the number of games of the six people ahead of him on the all-time blocks list, he's seventh in all-time blocks. Just 126 games played, 360 blocks, and uh, that's an insane stat uh, because the guys ahead of him, 433, 310, 403, 470, 450, and 509 in terms of games played and uh wow marcus canby yep he's the second team guy uh keon clark a uh special uh runner up as well there too if we're doing a third team he'd probably be on there uh so yeah those are your two uh all defense all-time raptors teams please feel free to yell at me in the replies to the podcast post if you disagree um a couple more questions to get to here let me just sort through find some goodies um boy 
I feel like I've gotten most of them. Oh, this one here comes from Eric Morris, who asks, any tweaks to the uniforms overall aesthetic you'd make after last season? Thinks the red jerseys would look so much better with white numbers outlined in black rather than the black outlined in white. Also maybe leaning more into purple. Uh, So yeah, my main sort of... Uh, thesis here is model all the jerseys after the black third jersey the one with the sort of uh, the classic pinstripes that were very faint and subtle Uh, you had raptors in sort of the chevron arrangement but you didn't have the actual chevron on there I just love those jerseys they look so good in them and the red number with the white trim around it pops really nicely if you did that base design you know a white jersey with the gray pinstripes similar idea um, you know, I think the shorts on those jerseys were awesome as well, if I recall. And then if you did the red, same idea, like just use that template. It's much better than the Chevron one. I feel like the Chevron one has almost been, um, it, it sucks. Cause I thought the one they won the title in with the, the North Jersey, even though I didn't love North on the Jersey, I thought it should have said Toronto instead. Those jerseys were great. They looked fantastic. They really popped the, the color. It was just so vibrant. And, and as our friend Katie Heindel calls it, the living red of those jerseys was outstanding. Um, and so I miss those, but also I think anything after it, it's been kind of like a bastardized version of those. And I don't think they're great. I, you know, the red jersey, I think is totally fine. I don't mind the black on the red. I kind of like it when numbers aren't white or, um, you know, color on the back of white. I, I like the sort of two dueling colors. Um, so I don't mind those, but just use the base jersey design of the black one. It's clearly the best one they have. It's not even close. Use it for a purple one as well. You could easily make that a full purple jersey and have it look awesome. Um, you know, I agree. More purple. A true purple front black back jersey. Bringing back the early 2000s uh, road jersey. That would be awesome as well. It's. Uh, I look forward to digging more into this because I think there will be more jerseys. Um, it seems like with the 75th anniversary of the league, there's going to be some good throwback stuff this year. Please make it the Vince Carter dunk contest jersey. The purple front black back. If you've listened to this podcast for as long as it's existed, you know this is a thing I'm very, very passionate about. Purple front, black back. It's the best. Do it. Um, Last question here comes from Jordan David Bell, who asks, Do you think Ken Birch can be the team's starting center next season, assuming he gets signed anyway? If not, what is your priority list for free agent centers? Went through the priority list earlier, but I do think it's worth pointing out that if the Raptors can't find a nice center addition out there, like a Rashawn Holmes, John Collins, Jared Allen, that sort of trio of guys at the top of the market, I think they can get by with Ken Birch starting or get by with a lesser center acquisition. You know, there were some rumors yesterday about Nerland's Noel, for example. I think he's probably going to cost a little bit just because he had a nice season and was a real defensive anchor for the Knicks kind of really found himself for the first time in the NBA Maybe you go and get him on like a mid-level, a similar deal to the Baines deal last season, perhaps. Uh, I, I, don't, I wouldn't hate that. And if you just run with a center rotation of uh, of Noel, Birch, Gillespie, and then Chris Boucher sometimes when you go small, I think that's totally fine. Again, I'm not scared off by how things went with poor center play this season. I think they just picked the wrong dude. But if you get reliable, steady you know, unassuming, nice center play. I think that's a totally reasonable way to go here. And I think Ken Birch can do that. I think we saw some skills he flashed that maybe he didn't even realize he had at the end of the season. And I look forward to seeing him kind of, you know, expand upon that. He's probably going to cost a little bit more, Birch will, than we expected when he first uh, when he first came over. I would still expect him to be back. I think, you know, there seems like there's a good marriage there. And 
Birch seems to like playing for Nick Nurse. Obviously, he wanted to come home and play for Toronto and all that stuff too. Um, you know, I, I think he's back. But you know, I, that's the nice thing of Birch is they're not sort of under pressure to go and find the answer because if they kick it down the road one more year and wait for a center to come along via trade or something, that's totally okay because Ken Birch is reliable and steady and does the things you need him to do. And Aaron Baines just couldn't do those things. Birch can. He's a good defender. He's mobile. He can play the Raptors scheme. And he, you know, I'm excited to see if he can kind of add more to what we saw at the end of the season over 20 games or so where, you know, he was shooting some threes here and there. He was finishing around the basket quite nicely. He was switching out on the perimeter. He was doing all these things that he never really got the chance to do in Orlando. So more Ken Birch for me, I'm, I'm all in. And yeah, I think it makes it easier for them to not overpay and feel like they need to force some sort of center signing this offseason. Um, that was a lot of S sounds in a row. Um, but yeah, is it ideal for him to be the starter? No, I, I think you'd rather a better player there. But if he is the starter going into next season, you roll a starting five of hypothetically, you know, Van Vliet, Suggs slash Trent, you know, if you're giving Suggs a starting job from day one, I'm not sure. Um, you know, Green, I guess, could be there too. Uh, and then OG, Siakam, Birch, I think, you know, that's fine. It's not the best in the world. It's not the greatest situation, but it's better than what they had last season. It's better than trusting Aaron Baines, and it's better than overpaying for a center that maybe you don't totally love because you feel like you need somebody there to take up those minutes. Uh, that's going to do it for today's episode. We've got lots of good questions. Thanks to, everyone to, thanks to everyone who sent them in. And also, sorry to those whose questions I didn't get to. Uh, I will get to them. Uh, just continue sending them on in, please. Uh, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll be back again on Friday. Raphael Barlow from Locked on NBA Draft is going to stop by. We're going to talk about second round guys for the first time, really, on the podcast. Got a list of dudes we're going to run through. I'm going to talk to him about some of his favorites. He's also really plugged in on the guys overseas. So we'll see what he has to say about some of those dudes and whether they're could be a draft and stash situation for the Raptors with the two second round picks. Uh, interesting stuff. So that's going to be on Friday to close out the week. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you again on Friday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Bye bye. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.